Don't Look Back with Kaz Tran. Missy Higgins has been enjoying a busy time since having her first bub and returning to music making. She's been getting around the country, playing her songs in the company of full orchestras. She's done a mini tour of the US and also has been tinkering away on a new album with her friend Butterfly Boucher. She says that we can expect a shift in a very new direction on her next record. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but it's a very, very different sound for me. So people are going to be very surprised and Gosh. probably quite polarised, I imagine. Really? Mm. Wow. Okay. Don't worry, Directions. I'm not rapping. All oh, right. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> I would, gone there yet. I, would, I wouldn't have minded hearing that. No, that me too. You and a Butterfly. secret desire of mine one day, but not quite yet. Her last song was O Canada, which was inspired by the plight of asylum seekers. Well, the days were long, with the nights were even longer. I asked Missy if she's going to be exploring broader stories and events than she has in the past. The theme of this album is definitely going to be less about breakups and heartache and more about the state of the world at the moment because that's just what's on my mind. And, um, you know, you've, you've got to write about what you feel passionately about and, and at the moment I think... Um, the most pressing issue is climate change and then everything that goes with that, like, yeah, like refugees and, um, and human rights. Uh, I think after having my kid, I've, I've, I'm somehow a bit more switched on to the state of the world because you suddenly feel a bit more responsible for the world that you've brought them into, you know, and you feel like um, if you're going to um, feel okay about having introduced another human onto the planet, you have to do something to try and make their future a safe one. Um, so that's that's kind of where my, my head is at the moment and I think it's probably going to be reflected in a lot of these songs. The song, though, that Missy Higgins is going to share with us on Don't Look Back does take us back to her very early days when she was writing very emotionally open songs. Well, there's a song that um, was definitely very pivotal to um, my, you know, the starting of me as a, as a female piano-playing singer-songwriter um, and that whole identity. And, um, and that's Sarah McLaughlin's song Angel Spend all your time waiting for that second chance for a break that would make it okay There's always some reason to feel not good enough And it's hard at the end of the day I need some I was in year 10, I think that uh, that movie came out with Meg Ryan um, and Nick Cage, which I think was called City of Angels, and um, it was on the soundtrack to that movie. Um, and I 
I used to love soundtracks back then, so I got the soundtrack to that movie and I fell in love with this song and that took me to Sarah McLaughlin's album called Surfacing. Um, and, yeah, that whole album was just really important to me because, it, yeah, it, was, it came to me at that time when I was just starting to form my kind of identity as a mus- musician and as a songwriter myself um, and trying to figure out what my sound was. And I was in year 10, 15, I think, and my music teacher um, asked us all to write a song for um, a, just a class project. And I was really, really just listening to that album over and over at that point. And, um, and so I got into a room and, and wrote my song, All For Believing. Pull back the shield between us And I'll kiss you Drop your defences and come into my arms I remember thinking, like looking at Sarah McLaughlin and she was the first female piano playing kind of singer-songwriter that... Um, that made me realise that that's what I could be. Like that that was, it sounds weird to say, but I didn't really know that that was a kind of a possibility. I always, before that point, I thought that I would be a singer in a cover band or, or a jazz band um, or just a singer of a band. I didn't think that I could accompany myself on piano um, and, and write my own kind of piano ballads and... Um, yeah, she showed me the way, I guess. I guess you're always reaching for um, idols and examples and, and, and people that um, can kind of pave the way for you. So I found her and, um, mm. and this, that song, Awful Believing, came out of me. Wow. So, and that song ended up um, winning the Triple J Unearthed competition, which then got me my record deal, which started off my whole career. It was really obvious to anyone who heard that very first Missy song that here was an artist who was going to go as far as she wanted to take it. And indeed, she has taken it all the way around the world. And it wasn't just the music of Sarah McLaughlin that showed her a way forward. I mean, at that time, I was really anti, you know, all the the pop stars that were you know, girls who were wearing short skirts and high heels and just all about sex, you know, and all about their looks. And I was like, I want to be respected for my music, um, for my ability as a songwriter and for my my talent. Um, I don't want to be that. And I felt like that, I felt like they were doing themselves a disservice by, um, by dressing like that and by acting as though that that was all they had to offer. Um, and I felt, you know, I felt like uh, I had more um, dignity and more confidence in myself as a musician to, to not do that and feel as though I didn't didn't need to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I liked the way that she carried herself and, and mm. I liked the way that she uh, she seemed to be a real a real musician and um, not at all using her sexuality as a, as a selling point. And um, yeah, and her her songs were super heartfelt and super earnest and vulnerable and um, yeah, really emotional. I think. Yeah, um, there is something just sort of like allowing vulnerability 
through mm. to and trusting in the process of that? Was that also something that hearing her do sort of help you give you the strength to do? Or I think so too. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, definitely. And also, you know, at that stage I was, yeah, 15, maybe going on 16. And at that stage you are so your emotions are so kind of wide open and raw anyway. Um, so in a way you are so vulnerable and it's easier to let yourself be. I think um, it's kind of hard to contain those emotions sometimes at that age. It's easier, I think, as we get older to um, to learn how to disguise it um, with, uh, I don't know, many different kinds of, of, um, of layers and personas and, and um and we've 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 been faking it till we make it for so long that it's hard to remember what the real us is. Mm-hmm. But I think back then it's like everything's just on the surface. There's so much so that you can't even control it. Um so yeah, though those emotions were fairly easy for me to tap into, especially with that song, because it was about um a breakup and it was about my, my boyfriend at the time, I think, and we were going through some very some pretty full on stuff for that for that age actually. Yeah, right. And um so it was a uh, yeah, she something about her music really spoke to to where I was at at the time. And that time was one filled with films of glamorous love and good old fashioned romance. At that point I was really into soundtracks. Like my first out al- the first album that I ever got as in the first CD was the Bodyguard soundtrack. My brother bought it for me for for Christmas because I was just really into that movie. I loved Kevin Costner and I just thought the whole thing was so romantic, how he carried her out in the rain. Oh, my God. I remember that scene. And I I just loved Whitney Houston too. And and so I got this. Oh, then the Titanic. I got that soundtrack and and then Sleeping Beauty soundtrack. Um, so yeah, I, and I I think that I really love the City of Angels film too. But there's something else that I forgot to say about Sarah McLaughlin too, and that's that she played quite a big part in me getting back into music after I kind of quit music after my uh, what was it my second album mm. um, because I decided that I I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't do the touring and I I had no more songs left in me. And then a couple of years later, out of the blue, I got a request from um, Sarah McLaughlin's camp to be involved in Lilith Fair. Hello, Lilith Fair. How are you guys all going? Wow, it's so good to see you guys all. I haven't played uh, a tour in about a year and a half, so I've kind of come out of retirement. This is my good friend Dave Symes in the bass. Please make him welcome. And at that stage, I'd said to my manager, "Don't tell me about any any gigs or any shows. I just I don't want to know." Um, but he rang me up anyway and said, I, "I know you said you didn't want to know about any offers that come your way, but I thought, seeing as though this was Sarah McLaughlin, you might just want to know um, and possibly consider doing it." And um, yeah, to my surprise, I just kind of said yes straight away and I went over to America to do this tour and um, it changed 
my whole perspective on music again and I just like fell back in love with music and as soon as I got up on stage and I and I saw all all these fans that had come out to see me that had followed me around America in the early days when I did a lot of touring and they were so happy to see me on stage and it was just so um I don't know it was so humbling I was like wow you guys have you remember who I am and you've stuck by me and you're still interested in hearing my music and you know this is so much bigger than me there are there are people out there who um my music means a a lot to you know and um yeah, it, it was really life-changing, that moment, that, that first show in particular at Lilith Fair. And I got straight back into music again and I got really inspired and, and made my third album. And, and now I'm just, now I have a completely different um, uh, perspective on music and, and what it means to me and why I do it. It's a shame, but it's true. It's been great to look back on how far she's come and the path she took to get there. Missy Higgins. Don't Look Back is produced by me, Kaz Tran. This is the last podcast for the year, but there's plenty more conversations to enjoy and catch up on if you haven't done so already, like Henry Rollins. I knew I had something, you know, that I shouldn't just be wearing an apron scooping ice cream. I I had something I could do. I just didn't know where to plug it in. So I was just a young maniac. And someone said, you know, um, here's a microphone. Michael Franti. I do two things every morning. First, I kiss my wife. And then I check my phone. <laughs> you know, and if, <laughs> if just a little bit of relationship advice. If you do it in the wrong order, you're in seriously deep doo-doo. And Claire Bowditch. I think she knew what I was going through. And she said to me, Claire, you need to go and write songs. She'd seen that I brought my guitar with me over to London. And she'd heard me sing. But, yeah, she she planted a seed and it was a very important seed because recreating your identity after it's been shattered in that way, um, this is where art and creativity and compassionate thought comes into its own. And if you've got a spare minute, please rate and review them. Your feedback is really appreciated. And don't forget, more music from your past, present and future lives at doublej.net.au. For more songs that changed it all, subscribe now to Double J's Don't Look Back podcast.